convocation uh, literally means calling together. And that word is used in most translations of uh, Leviticus, where in a number of places, God says to Moses, proclaim the feasts of Jehovah to be holy convocations. But we use it in a number of ways. One contemporary meaning of the term is a formal ceremony in which people starting their academic programs are welcomed and dedicated. And so we're using this term as part of what it is. This is a worship service, but it's also a convocation for our Doctor of Ministry uh, Cohort 3. I want to focus on a convocation that Jesus initiated, the calling together by him of his disoriented disciples. After his death and his resurrection, and he'd appeared to them a number of times, but it, it seems that they were still um, rather drifting and purposeless. And there were some things going on in some of those disciples' hearts that meant they were not yet ready for the commissioning that Jesus was going to give them and the coming of the Spirit, which uh, was going to be on Pentecost. And uh, in many of our traditions, we uh, celebrated that last Sunday. So in particular, I want to look at Peter, uh, the recall of Peter or his call to be a steward leader. The Doctor of Ministry program focuses on leadership, but actually all of us are in some way in positions of leadership in our life. Some of us are in, we know that we have influence in various ways. We know that we're called to take on some uh, responsibilities and some uh, initiative. And interestingly, this passage that I'm touching on, those of you who are faithfully coming to chapel each week will know that a couple of months ago, um, Dr. Uh, Rob uh, Patterson uh, spoke on Peter in a memorable sermon. And last month, Dr. Linda Canal um, spoke a little bit on this particular passage as well. So I'm going to swing the bat a third time. And that's an appropriate metaphor because the demon cohort is going to a Blue Jays game this evening. So we celebrated Pentecost, as I said last Sunday. And in that account of that day in the Acts of the Apostles, we see Peter. He is confident he is clear, he is concentrated, he is all there and just bringing forth the word of God to people. Well, we often see leaders in their public roles in that kind of persona, perhaps, or in that kind of a, a, a way. But let's look at behind the scenes. Let's look at what led up to this. Peter was a natural leader. Uh, I think we realize he had many of the attributes that research has shown is often associated with public leadership. He was articulate. Most public leaders have that as a, a gift. Uh, he was uh, visionary, and he took initiative, sometimes when it wasn't needed, but he did take initiative. And he had a pretty good run, but then he'd failed and fallen, betraying his Lord and revealing to himself and to others this shadow side that he had, this part of him that was cowardly, this part of him that was self-preserving, this part of him that was deceptive 
and willing to falsify. I mean, even it says that curse words came out of his mouth at that particular time. And when our Lord passed by, it says in the scriptures that he looked at Peter. I don't know what that does to you. But Jesus had always known about Peter's shadow side. But there it was, on display, and now Peter saw it. Well, his confidence was eroded, his focus was lost, his moral authority was damaged, his sense of call was gone. And so he'd gone back, regressed, gone back to what he'd known, to fishing. And there's nothing wrong with fishing. I know there's people here who love fishing. But Peter had been involved in and had glimpsed a far bigger calling, a far greater meaning for his life that he could have been involved in, and it felt like it was gone. As a young adult, I had come back to the Lord, and God led me into uh, a ministry that was actually dramatic in some of the things that God did in that ministry. But I had an experience of failure. I saw myself in this time as having let down our Lord, failed myself, failed others. And I, too, lost my confidence. I lost my sense of the comfort of the Spirit. I had to give up the ministry that I'd been involved in, and I had no hope of ever being in ministry again. I really thought that was the end. And just like Jesus took Peter for a walk and a talk, I had a friend who actually the next, the following fall, started here at Ontario Bible College. But I had a friend who sat at the breakfast table, kitchen table with me, and I poured out my misery and my despair. And I remember Bob looked me in the eyes and he said with confidence, God will restore you and bring you back into ministry. I was in such desolation that I told him I didn't have the faith to even hope for that. And he said, I can see that, but can you believe that I have the faith that that will happen? Would you let my faith carry you for a little while? And somehow, in the dark, swirling chaos that was my heart and my spirit at that time, there was a little beam of light that came through, a little flicker, and I thought, maybe. I don't know how, but maybe. I didn't have quite the same dramatic turnaround that Peter did, who some just a few days or weeks later after his talk with Jesus was preaching to a crowd of people explaining the phenomenon of Pentecost. But in this story, Jesus recalls Peter to the ministry by reminding him that he is a steward leader. It's not all up to him. He's not the only one. He's not the primary one that initiates It's not primarily his word that he's giving. His way of serving Christ is to lead and pastor 
in Christ's stead. And, you know, the idea of servant leader has been quite common, and there's some good insights that come from the idea of being a servant leader, but I'm not always sure it serves us well as the dominant or the only metaphor for leading. I often like to think of it this way, that God calls many of us to serve as leaders. We just need to remember that we're delegated or steward leaders. And that's what Jesus wanted Peter to grasp. So he takes him on a little walk, and John records some of what was transacted in the reading that uh, Delia Fraser uh, read for us. And so here's a few things that Jesus does in his talk that I think invites Peter to take up leadership as a steward and as a stewardship. First of all, Jesus makes it very personal. He says, Peter, son of John, he calls in his whole history with that word, Thessalonians. He says, Peter, son of John, do you love me? When we take up leadership for God, it is a personal thing between Jesus and you. He's asking you to do something for him. Jesus deals with the rival claims on Peter's attention. He looks, maybe, maybe even takes his, his hand and takes in the scene that's there, the nets, the boats, the fish, the whole fishing culture of this little village. And he says, do you love me more than these? When God calls us into leadership, there is going to be some things that we really like that are going to, they may even be good, but they're going to have to be set aside in order for us to embrace the higher calling that he has for us. And Jesus underlines who the owner is, who the householder is, who is the owner of this enterprise. He says, my sheep. And I know sometimes, for shorthand, we fall into the habit of talking about my department or my ministry or my church or my organization. But... We have to remember, of course, always that that's never in an ultimate sense, in an absolute sense, that it is always that we're caring for that particular domain in Christ's stead. And so then Jesus gives Peter his responsibility. He says, I want you to take care of my sheep. Feed them, find them, look after them, nourish them, care for them. And then a couple of demons enter into the garden, And Jesus deals with them. One of them, I would say, is common among leaders, and it's the, I don't know if it's too strong to call it a demon, but once in a while it can feel that way, of competitiveness. We look across and we say, well, look at him. Look at her. Look at how well they're doing. Or I wonder if they're going to have the same success that I might be having. All of that stuff. And Jesus deals with it straight on. Peter says, what about him? And points. Do you think there might have been a little jealousy and envy there in Peter's heart for the man who was able to sit very close to Jesus? And Jesus says to him, what is that to you? Follow me. Pretty straight up. And then Jesus deals with another fear that I think Peter must have had, and that was his fear of failure. Would he betray his Lord again? Would his sense of self-preservation cause him to wimp out? 
Jesus does not assure him that all his leadership lessons have been learned. And I know they haven't been because you can read the rest of the book of Acts. Peter still has some things to learn, some very big things. But God assures him through Jesus this, that God would keep him and that at the end he'd honor his Lord who'd made him a steward leader. And maybe some of us need that assurance that in spite of our falls, in spite of our failures, in spite of the things that are going to come along, God is going to hold you and his purpose for you is to bring him glory at the end by your faithfulness, by staying the course, whatever that course is. And so Jesus indicated to him the kind of death that Peter would glorify God. You know, Peter really had wanted to die with Jesus, and he had wimped out. But Jesus assured him he was going to get a second chance. The next time he's mentioned specifically, we see Peter preaching at the crowd at Pentecost, and at the end of the sermon at Pentecost, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, Peter uses words like repent and remission of sins, but, but this is basically what Peter said at the, at the end of his, his sermon. He says, you need to experience a deep change. You need to experience the forgiveness of your sins by Christ. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you need to enter into the vocation that God has for you. That's what he says. You can read it in Acts. And this wasn't just good theology. This was Peter's experience that he was now saying, you can have it too. So do you need a fresh encounter with our living Lord? Do you need assurance or reassurance that you're loved and called and commissioned to kingdom work? Do you need to breathe in the spirit that God has given to his church? There's an old song that perhaps sometimes we even make fun of, have a little talk with Jesus but that's what you might need. So take the chance when you get it, and let me pray for you now. God, each of us need continuously to be retouched by you, reminded by you of what we've been called to, and especially reminded by you that it's your work, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. Bless these words to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.